come and on the clouds kings and kingdoms will bow down and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise but who can stop the lord almighty and our god is a lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles Every knee will bow before him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. To open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who calls the saved is here to set the captive free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb oh every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh. For the lion and the lamb. Him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the
Good resurrection morning to you, and I uh, want to thank you for being here today and pray that God will richly bless you, and uh, what a thing to have on uh, Resurrection Sunday is uh, someone who has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was just a few weeks ago that uh, Brandon Smith, uh, at the end of the service, he, uh, he told me, he said, uh, my, my mind said turn left to go out the doors, and my, my uh, heart said turn right uh, to come and talk to you about Christ. And uh, that's really a picture of repentance. Repentance is I'm heading in one direction away from Christ, and I am turning in another direction toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's uh, what has happened in Brandon's heart, and he wants to confess that before you. And before others, I know that uh, he has family and neighbors that are here this morning, and we are glad that you're here. I know that Kim uh, is here. Gary is not, and Gary played a significant role uh, in uh, your coming to be here. Uh, but Gary is watching by way of the Internet right now. So uh, I'm going to ask Brandon Smith if he would and come and join me. He's a young man of 19, almost 20. And, uh, and Brandon, uh, have you come to the place where you have turned away from your effort to get to heaven and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ only and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the fact that he died the perfect death, he was buried in three days, uh, he rose from the dead, he has now ascended into heaven, he ever lives to make intercession for you and will come and get you one day to be with him. Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Amen. All right. And so uh, it is on your profession or confession of your faith in Jesus Christ that it's my joy and privilege to baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism unto death, raised to walk in newness of life. And let's pray before uh, Matthew comes. And Lord, we do give you thanks that we have a risen Savior who saves us for now and for all eternity. And he ever lives to make intercession for us to know that, Lord, if we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. But when we do sin, your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and Lord, it is through the blood of Jesus that we know this is done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. What a wonderful gift it is to see acted out right in front of us the, the reality of Resurrection Sunday, of what Jesus has done, and then what he does every time someone believes in him and trusts in him, as he brings about from death to life. And so as, as Jesus said in a conversation with Nicodemus, as he says, that truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so by God's Spirit, the Son came back to life in victory over sin and death. And that's what we're celebrating this morning, is Jesus as Lord and King over all things, including death and in destruction over sin. All right. Good morning. If you're a guest, we're so thrilled you're here with us this morning. There should be a card right in front of you. 
uh, that says connection card. I uh, would love if you would grab that, fill that out, drop that in one of the baskets on your way out. Give us the opportunity to reach out to you this week, give you a call, see if there's anything we can do for you, anything we can pray for you about, and I uh, would love to have that opportunity if you would take that and fill that out. So Easter Sunday, we will not meet back here this evening. Uh, we'll everybody be home, be with family, and uh, enjoy enjoy the afternoon and the evening together. Uh, that uh, that your time together would uplift and point you to Christ and what He has done. So let's pray one more time, and then we'll continue in worship with a special. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that that Lord, you have come. Lord Jesus, you have come, and you gave your life, such that. We do not merit, we cannot fix, we cannot repair our souls. But it is only by your grace that we are saved. It is only by your initiatory work through what you have done on the cross and in the Spirit applying your payment that we are saved, that Spirit brings forth Spirit. And so, Father, Lord, would you help us to see your Son this morning, to see him high and lifted up and alive, and that therein we would depend upon you and that you would call this morning some to salvation, to trust in your Son. That your Spirit would bring about new life this morning. So Father, we thank you and ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. That he would be glorified and that you would be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As Matthew said, this next song is going to be a special. Um, we're going to be singing a song called Behold Our God. A song that encourages us to to look at how wonderful he is, to remember how amazing he is, to remember that we are called to glorify him, to worship him. We cannot question him. So I invite you guys to look at these lyrics as we as we sing through it um, and to meditate on. Them.
seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us Let's stand as we continue to sing, to continue to worship through song.
to Christ alone, to Christ alone, because He lives, I can stay in that grave. I believe, I may be wrong about this, but I believe it, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that he checked the tomb of, of uh, Muhammad and he was there. And he checked the tomb of Gandhi and he was there. And he checked the tomb of Christ and he wasn't there. He has risen. He is a living God who allows us to be with him, who didn't have to pay the price, who didn't have to surrender his life, but who chose to, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He is a living God. Let us rejoice in that today. And so, Father, as we we come to a time of, of reading your scripture, God of hearing your word preached by Pastor Joel. God, I pray that you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. Father, help us to seek you, God, to glorify you. Help us to leave this building changed so that we may show your love to those around us. Father, you have shown us love that is so undeserving, God, love that we cannot even imagine, unfathomable.
and yet you have shown it to us. God, thank you for your sacrifice. That you would take our sin, our debt. For you, you beat sin. You conquered sin on the cross. And God, you conquered death when you rose. That we may live with you for eternity. So thank you. Father, we love you. And we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, amen. I tell you what, the last uh, few uh, Easter's have been different. And aren't you kind of glad uh, things are a little more normal? Uh, I, I did see a T-shirt that popped up on my uh, a web browser the other day that said uh, normal is not coming back but Jesus is <laughs> and I thought, I thought well, that's pretty good uh, so I don't know what normal really is anymore but we'll be grateful for what God has given us uh, this day if you have a copy of God's word let me invite you to the Old Testament uh, to the book of Isaiah and to the 53 second and 53rd chapter I'm actually going to read uh, just a portion from uh, chapter 53 verses 4 through 6 but we're going to cover the whole of this uh, prophetic word uh, something that was written 700 years prior uh, to the birth of Christ that tells about Christ and uh, it begins in chapter 52 and verse 12 pardon me verse 13 and goes on through the end of chapter 53. So, if you have a copy of God's Word, I've titled the message, The Right Man on Our Side. Isaiah 53 says, And surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed Him stricken, and listen to these words, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so let's bow together in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this a promised word that was given 700 years before in such detail of what happened on that, that Friday uh, before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and why it took place and what it means for us and how we enter into that. And uh, Lord, we want to come with great celebration on our hearts today to thank you that we have a risen Savior. Lord, we are indeed... Uh, sinners and uh, we are great sinners in need of a savior and we have a great savior in Jesus Christ the Lord so bless this moment we pray in Jesus name amen I, I titled it the, the right man on our side it comes from a song that uh, uh, is probably so old you may not know all the words to it I'm going to read just a couple of the words uh, verses one and two of a mighty fortress is our God uh, written in German by Martin Luther, and uh, it was compiled by uh, 1529. We know it was written down in, and has been translated at least 81 different ways in English. So uh, you have the traditional translation uh, that I'll read for you. It says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he, amid the flood of mortal, mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe, and he's speaking of Satan here, doth seek to work us woe. He's out to get you. That's what he's saying. But we've got a fortress in our God. His craft, Satan's craft and power great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. But did we our own strength confide? Are you trusting in your own strength is what he says. Our striving then would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, 
the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Jesus Christ, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, is his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle, and he has won the battle. Uh, it was 75 years ago yesterday. I just happened to see it. It popped up uh, on my web browser again. Things pop up on my web browser. Uh, and it, it says 75 years ago yesterday, it was 1947, 591 souls in a moment stepped into eternity. There was a f freighter that was parked in uh, uh, Texas City, Galveston Bay, outside of Houston. It was carrying ammonia uh, nitrate. And uh, the men that were moving it said that the bags that it was in were so hot, they were alarmed, had called the fire department to come. And uh, within a moment, uh, it exploded. It leveled uh, the city of Texas City. And uh, more than 3,000 people were sent to the hospitals, while 591 died in a moment. They met their eternity, not expecting it, going about their everyday routine, not knowing what was about to happen. It was on August 6, 1945. It was 8.15 in the morning, uh, local time. It was in Hiroshima, Japan. 70,000 people died in an instant. They were going about their work. They were doing what they were doing. And in a moment, they met God and their destiny. And it all had to do with what this passage of Scripture prophesies about. It has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our eternity is determined by whether or not Christ is Savior and Lord of the human heart. And uh, we sometimes forget. Uh, I didn't go on to read you more. I've got about 10 of them down here. 72 million not in an instant died in World War II. 72 million people met their eternity during that. So here in Isaiah 52 verses 13 through Isaiah 53, 12 is the most detailed prophecy in the Old Testament concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the theme of it, what is the theme of this particular passage of Scripture? Well, you can name it in one word, suffering. There's no question about it. Suffering is at the very heart of these words. It was traumatic suffering, dreadful suffering, horrendous suffering. Uh, there was excruciating pain that the Lord Jesus Christ endured. And there was life-ending suffering that came. This suffering servant is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is about him that this passage has to deal with. Now, if you, you ask, did he deserve this suffering? What's the answer? No, absolutely not. He had done nothing. He had not sinned. They looked at his life. I was talking with Brandon and Taylor uh, earlier uh, before the service, and I said, you know, uh, when, when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ's life, uh, you have to ask the question, how many people have truly lived the Christian life? And there's only one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if anybody could have brought an accusation against the Lord Jesus Christ, surely it would have been his brother James. And yet it's in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, that it says about James, James saw his brother, his half-brother Jesus, resurrected from the dead, having paid the redemption price, wrote a book about him. Remember the book of James? And in it we find out that it is not through works of righteousness or goodness that we do. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. You see, he, he didn't deserve this suffering. And was it right for the Father to allow Jesus to suffer in the way he did? And the answer to that is yes. Not only was it yes that it was right for the Father to allow Christ to do this it was the plan of God for eternity past that this would indeed be the way of salvation 
So why do we celebrate so much today? It was kind of interesting. I saw a little celebration going on this morning. I, I got up. Uh, sun had just come up. I went to take my dog for a walk, and I saw the Easter bunny hopping down the road. Well, I mean, I did. There were four houses that had all these eggs in the yard and one young lady who had done it all. And when I saw her, she started hopping down because she had, you know, you know what they call it? She had egged their yard or egged their house. I grew up in a day when egging a house or egging a yard was a totally different thing. Okay? So, uh, you know, it's okay to celebrate the fact that Jesus died. It was the plan of the Father. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a mishap. It was intended. And why did he do this? It's so simple. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, the tragedy is none of us believe until we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have to come. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to come to a place when you realize my sin is mine. I'm guilty. I'm the one. I can't blame anybody else. I am guilty and my sin is an offense to a holy God and it has separated me from him but God in his great love and mercy sent his son to become the the atoning sacrifice the payment for our sin that which satisfies God's justice against my sin God's justice says I have offended a holy God both by my birth and by my actions. I was born into sin, and I've chosen to sin. John MacArthur, pastor in California, he, in writing about this or preaching about this, he said, people don't believe the message, the good news that an unseen God has sent an unseen Savior to provide uh, unseen blessings in an unseen heaven to be received by an unseen faith. Now, I know that's not, that's not natural to the, to the human mind, but it is natural to the soul. You can't, you can't take the body into an autopsy room and begin to autopsy it and find the soul, can you? That part of us that lives on. And I know there are people who say that doesn't happen, and, and I just can't, I can't believe that. One, because of Holy Scripture says that we will exist for all eternity. But secondly, there's just something inside, I think, the human being that knows we are made for eternity. As a matter of fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes, who was Solomon, who was considered the wisest man to have ever lived other than the Lord Jesus, he said, God has put eternity into the hearts of men. They're, they're, they're just a witness with inside us that says, surely this is not all there is. They don't believe the good news of a crucified Savior, he goes on to say, and that means of that salvation. They don't believe the good news that there is a divine righteousness available whereby guilty sinners may stand fearless and holy before God wrapped in His, Christ's own righteousness. They don't believe the good news of a pardon granted by heaven to the sentenced us and the imprisoned by sin who can receive that pardon by faith in Christ. Now, I hope that doesn't describe you. But if it does describe you, the good news is today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not a month from now, because there can be a moment in time when we face eternity. And today is the day to realize that the word of faith is near us. It's even in our mouths, as Romans chapter 10 tells us. So, wouldn't this be a horrible message to say, I don't believe. I don't believe in that. 
So let's look at this prophetic word and let's just see a little bit about this right man. So I'm going to go back chapter uh, 52 verse 13 and let's see first the right man's coming was shocking. So you have to understand he's particularly writing to the Jews. He's writing to us, yes, but in this moment in time, he's writing to the Jews who had already said, God, we don't need your help. And then, then Hezekiah, the king that we've been talking about, said, oh, Lord, I need your help. Remember? Now, Jesus, uh, the Lord, through this prophetic word, is going to say, he's coming. My, my servant, my Savior is coming. So behold, my servant shall act wisely. Uh, it's also translated prosperously, depending on what translation you might have, because in the Hebrew mind, to act wisely results in prosperity, okay? But it really is the, the verb to act wisely. He, Christ, will act right, wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. So the Savior that's coming is going to be what? The Jews were looking for a king, and here's the language. He's going to be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, surprised, overtaken, confused. His appearance was, wait a minute, not the king, not the king coming set up a kingdom, but his appearance was so marred behind, beyond human semblance. And his form beyond that of the children of mankind. You see, they were looking for a king, and what did we get? A suffering Savior. And when Jesus came on the scene, he, he was born in uh, Bethlehem, a small town, grew up in Nazareth, which means a tender shoot is what it is. And the Scripture describes Jesus as being like a tender shoot, not, not a big oak tree. Uh, not something great and tremendous, but he's going to come on the scene as a child of a virgin born in a manger in a small town and basically unknown. And that's not what they were looking for. And so they, they were shocked at his coming. Notice in verse 15 of this it says, So, he shall, or so shall he sprinkle many nations... There's some question as to what it means. I, I, I think he's talking about what his blood's going to do. He's going to shed his blood, and his blood will sprinkle many people. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. There's a day coming when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every king will do that. Every mighty person, every rich person. I, 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 have, I think if I've heard the word uh, oligarch once, I've heard it a million times in the last uh, six weeks and uh, probably hadn't heard it three times before that. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. doesn't matter how good you are. doesn't matter how religious you are or irreligious you are. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And uh, this Jesus came and everybody missed who he was except just a few, just a handful. You remember when he was on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. It was written right here, 700 years before. And when Jesus comes on the scene, and uh, the wise men from uh, uh, Persia come and looking for this new baby that has been born, and and so Herod says, go, go find where he is. They knew where he was to be born. How, how did they know where he was to be born? It was written in Scripture. And it was at this particular time in history that they changed. The Jewish population or Jewish leaders changed their idea that there was going to be a suffering servant to come to be, we're the suffering servant. We, the nation of Israel, are the suffering servant. That's why we have so much trouble. That's why we have so much woe. And to see that is to miss salvation. There is only one Savior. He came. His name is Jesus. And uh, he is the right man that's on our side. But his coming was shocking. Number two, I want you to see his...
coming was also scorned. Scorned. Verse 1 of chapter 53, who has believed what he has heard from us? We keep telling the story. I don't know if you ever feel like that. You tell people about Jesus and they go, hmm, believe that if you want. It's okay for you. If it works for you, that's great. My way is this way. And, and yet that's exactly what the scripture says the world in general will do. They will scorn Christ. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And when we talk about the arm, we're talking about the strength of his salvation. Who can see it? They don't want to see it. He grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we would look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And, And then look at the language. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, there are millions of believers around the world. And when you and I see what's going on in the Ukraine right now, uh, it is exciting for me to get emails from pastors in the Ukraine asking us to pray for them. Asking us to pray that they have strength, a courage of heart to stand for Jesus in such a troubled time. And uh, you can go all over the world and find believers. And yet there are billions who say this very thing. I'm despised at him. I went to Christian Post, uh, which is a website yesterday. And it talked about a Nigerian pastor who had been caught out in public praying in Jesus' name. And so they brought him into the mosque and they killed him and burned him inside their mosque. I mean, that even desecrates their own mosque. I I can't figure out how they could do that except the scripture says he, Jesus, is despised and rejected by men. We did not esteem him. And yet it was in Matthew's gospel, the 27th chapter, verse uh, 54, it says when the centurion, remember the Roman centurion, he was in control of making sure that the death of Christ was carried out according to Roman law. It says uh, those that were keeping watch over Jesus, they, they saw the earthquake as it took place when Jesus was crucified they were filled with awe and he said truly this is the son of God now if you're a believer today in Jesus Christ you know that to be a truth in your heart there's a ringing of a bell in your soul that says he is the son of God he is the savior I'm here today to celebrate the fact that I've got a risen Lord and he's coming back again Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But number three, in this right man, notice also his suffering, and I'm going to use a big word, was substitutionary. Well, he, he was a substitute for us. What he did, he did in your behalf. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, he has done it in your behalf. Notice what it says in verse 4. Isaiah 53, surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Whose were they? His? No. He who owed no debt. He paid for a debt that he did not owe, and we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And that's what it says. We esteemed him. Notice the language, stricken, smitten, but not just by the Roman soldiers. Who, who did this? God, the Father, it pleased the Father to bruise him. He was pierced for our transgressions. Notice these, uh, to transgress, uh, uh, the word iniquity, when it says he was crushed for our iniquities, iniquities means crookedness of life. Transgression, beautiful word in the Hebrew, It means like you draw a line in the sand and say, you can't step any further than this, and so what do you do? I don't know. Maybe y'all weren't uh, kids on the playground ever. I know what I was like as a kid on the playground, you know. Some guy said, you know, just dare you to step over that line. Guess what I'm doing? 
I'm just stepping over that line. You know, come on, let's bring it on. And uh, that's what transgression means. God says there's a line. I'm a holy God. You cannot come to me. And what do we do? I'm coming. Rebellion in our heart. That's our transgressions. And notice it says he was pierced. It speaks of the nail prints in his hands. Somebody uh, brought to my remembrance the fact that they literally were not, probably not in the palm of his hand because it would pull through the cartilage. We don't know exactly. It's been speculated it was right here, and this would have been considered the palm. Uh, the same with the feet. We don't know. But what we do know, he was pierced. His side was pierced. There was a crown of thorns that were put on his head, and he was pierced and bled in our behalf. And with his wounds... We're healed. But what do we do? We're sheep. We, like sheep, gone astray, turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord placed on him, here's the substitution. Now, wait a minute. I'm supposed to get the punishment. He takes our place. He takes our place. Uh, I couldn't find it. I I was going to show you one of the cutest pictures you'll ever see. It was a picture of me when I was three years old. <laughs> uh, my my uh, my mother grew up without a dad in the home. I've told you that my grandfather was murdered when she was five, and and uh, one of the things my grandmother did for all four of us boys until she passed away was when it was Easter. The week of, before Easter, you know what she did? She went out and bought us all a new suit. I mean, she did. And that's, that's, I was going to show you this cute kid in this suit. I was going to put it on the screen and you go, oh. <clears throat> the scripture tells us of a king who gave a feast for his son's wedding. And people were invited to come, and what did people say? No. I'm talking about the people, the haves. The haves didn't come. The people that had all the money, the people that had the biggest houses, they were invited to come, and they didn't come. And so he sent his servants out, and he says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Just grab some people. But one of the things that the king provided for everyone who came in, because most of these people that were now coming didn't have a suit. They didn't have a dress. They didn't have a party dress. They didn't have a party suit. And he was to provide it for them. And everyone who was in there had this kind of clothing put on them that was provided by the king. And yet the scripture tells us that there was one who had come in a different way than the doorway. He had climbed over the wall, came in, and guess what he didn't have? He didn't have his new suit on. And the king says about him, bind him up and cast him into utter darkness. Now Jesus gave us that story to talk about. We are clothed by faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have a new suit. And the new suit is not good works. It is Christ himself. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And through faith in Christ, you get a spiritual suit that fits you, equips you for heaven to come boldly to the throne of grace and to find help in a time of need because of what Christ has done for you. You can come without shame. You can come beyond reproach, blameless, as Jude says it. He will present us blameless before God. I don't know about you. I look in a mirror and I go, I'm not blameless. I'm not sinless. I'm not, I'm not righteous. But in God's eyes, through faith in Christ, it is the righteousness of Jesus that clothes us. And that's what he's telling us here. So the right man also, when he was sacrificed, number four, was silent. It's just, a, it's just a simple point to bring across. It says when he was oppressed and he was afflicted, he did not open his mouth. He was like a 
And this is to it, when you see Abraham and Isaac, Abraham taking his son Isaac up onto the mount to sacrifice his son, a story that you and I struggle with, except it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Isaac does not complain. Isaac doesn't ask the question, what are you doing? He says, where is the lamb? And what does Abraham say? God will provide. God will provide a substitute. And so he was silent, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep before his shears is silent. He opened not his mouth. Time and time again, Jesus could have said different things that would have gotten him out of the punishment that he endured on the cross of Calvary. But he was silent. Why? He bore our sins intentionally on the cross of Calvary. It even goes on to tell us that uh, his grave was going to be that of a rich man's. You, you'll remember that when it came time to bury him, uh, there, were, there were two rabbis that came to his aid and uh, provided for him a rich man's tomb where Jesus was there. And it was okay because they knew it, they were only going to loan it to him for a couple of days, right? I think they did. Jesus had already said, I, I only need it three days. And you can have it back. Okay? So he, he, he's in a rich man's grave and with rich men in his death. And Jesus keeps silent. And the only things that he said from the cross were things like, I thirst. Father, forgive them. It is finished. It's paid in full. And then last... And that is the rich man's offering was sovereign. What do we mean by that? It was under the control and power of the eternal Godhead. We've already mentioned it, but notice what it says. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, put, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offering. He shall put his days the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand it was the will of the father that Christ died on the cross of Calvary when Peter is preaching that uh, sermon at Pentecost to uh, uh, where 5,000 men alone come to faith in Jesus Christ on hearing this message it says this Jesus here's the words of Peter this Jesus Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him. You killed him by hands of lawless men. Yet it was according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death. Because it's not possible for him to be held by it. What a glorious truth that it is. Would you join me in a word of prayer at this time? Just heads bowed, eyes closed. And Father, you know the true condition of our hearts. You know them better than we know ourselves. Lord, we can deceive ourselves. We can believe uh, false narrative. We can believe what some supposed expert has to say about the matter and yet we have your own words where you have declared who your son is why he came how a person is to be born again of the spirit of God it is through faith alone in Christ alone it is that repenting to turning away from selfishness and self-righteousness and and uh, our own way and turning to the lovely, beautiful Lord Jesus who was crushed, bruised, smitten, stricken, punished for our sin so that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we ask you to do by the Holy Spirit an assessment of our heart. And so... With your head still bowed, I just want to read something to you. While you're still in a prayerful moment, 
This moment is a moment of the decision of all decisions. It is the commitment of all commitments because our eternity is at stake with how we respond to Jesus. It is heaven instead of hell. To embrace what Christ has done for you, He is the Savior. You're not, I'm not good enough. We can't get there by our goodness or by our religion. We all fall short. We need a Savior. And you need somebody to pay for your sin. And you need to accept the payment that He has made so that God applies it to you. And your sins are completely forgiven at that point when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There you can be assured of eternity in heaven because of the promise of Jesus Christ. And so the question is the same question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe? Do you believe it enough to embrace Christ as Lord? And if you do, do it now. Eternity is forever. And God grants us these moments of grace to say yes to His great offer through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus rose from the dead and is alive now to prove that He can make good on what He promised. And so, Father, I pray that if there be one, five, ten, whoever... Lord, who would today come to say, I, I know I have struggled with this. I've been like a sheep going astray, but I want to return to the shepherd of my soul to call upon Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I hear His calling to my heart, and I believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together.